0: Chapter Five of *Antique Hay* by Aldous Huxley. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Five. One after another, they engaged themselves in the revolving doors of the restaurant, trotted round in the moving cage of glass, and ejected themselves into the coolness and darkness of the street. Shearwater lifted up his large face and took two or three deep breaths too much carbon dioxide and ammonia in there he said it is unfortunate that when two or three are gathered together in god's name or even in the more civilized name of mercaptan of the delicious middle mercaptan dexterously parried the prod which coleman aimed at him it is altogether deplorable that they should necessarily empest the air lippiat had turned his eyes heavenwards what stars he said and what prodigious gaps between the stars a real light opera summer night and murkaptan began to sing in fragmentary german the barcarolle from the tales of hoffmann Liebe nacht dir schon nacht o stille mein Tumtitum, Tetum Teetum, delicious offenbach ah if only we could have a third empire another comic napoleon that would make paris look like paris again titty tumty titty teetum they walked along without any particular destination but simply for the sake of walking through this soft cool night Coleman led the way tapping the pavement at every step with the fair rule of his stick the blind leading the blind he explained ah if only there were a ditch a crevasse a great hole full of stinging centipedes and dung how gleefully i should lead you all into it i think you would do well said shearwater gravely to go and see a doctor coleman gave vent to a howl of delight does it occur to you he went on that at this moment we are walking through the midst of seven million distinct and separate individuals each with distinct and separate lives and all completely indifferent to our existence seven million people each one of whom thinks himself quite as important as each of us does millions of them are now sleeping in an impested atmosphere hundreds of thousands of couples are at this moment engaged in mutually caressing one another in a manner too hideous to be thought of but in no way differing from the manner in which each of us performs delightfully passionately and beautifully his similar work of love thousands of women are now in the throes of perturition and of both sexes thousands are dying of the most diverse and appalling diseases or simply because they have lived too long thousands are drunk thousands have overeaten thousands have not had enough to eat and they are all alive all unique and separate and sensitive like you and me it's a horrible thought ah if i could lead them all into that great hole of centipedes he tapped and tapped on the pavement in front of him as though searching for the crevasse at the top of his voice he began to chant o oh, all ye beasts and cattle curse ye the lord Curse him and vilify him forever all this religion said Merkopton. what with lippiot on one side being a muscular christian artist and coleman on the other howling the black mass really he elaborated an italianate gesture and turned to zoe what do you think of it all he asked zoe jerked her head in coleman's direction i think he's a bloody swine she said they were the first words she had spoken since she had joined the party hear hear cried coleman and he waved his stick in the warm yellow light of the coffee-stall at hyde park corner loitered a little group of people among the peaked caps and the chauffeur's dustcoats, among the weather-stained workmen's jackets and the knotted handkerchiefs there emerged an alien elegance a tall tubed hat and a silk-faced overcoat a cloak of flame-coloured satin and in bright coppery hair a great spanish comb of carved tortoiseshell well i'm damned said gumbel as they approached i believe it's myra vevige so it is said lepiot peering in his turn he began suddenly to walk with an affected swagger kicking his heels at every step looking at himself from outside his divining eyes pierced through the veil of cynical je to the bruised heart beneath besides he didn't want any one to guess the viviche is it coleman quickened his rapping along the pavement and who is the present incumbent he pointed at the top hat can it be bruin ops said gumbrol dubiously ops coleman yelled out the name Ops, the top hat turned revealing a shirt front a long gray face a glitter of circular glass over the left eye who the devil are you the voice was harsh and arrogantly offensive i am but i am said coleman but i have with me he pointed to shearwater to gumbrol to zoe a physiologue a pedagogue and a priapagog for i leave out of account mere artists and journalists whose titles do not end with the magic syllable and finally indicating himself plain dog which being interpreted cabalistically backwards signifies god all at your service he took off his hat and bowed the top hat turned back towards the spanish comb who is this horrible drunk it inquired mrs did not answer him but stepped forward to meet the newcomers. In one hand, she held a peeled hard boiled egg and a thick slice of bread and butter in the other, and between her sentences she bit at them alternately. Colman, she exclaimed, and her voice as she spoke, seemed always on the point of expiring as though each word were the last, utterly faintly and breakingly from a deathbed the last with all the profound and nameless significance of the ultimate word it's a very long time since i heard you raving last and you theodore darling why do i never see you now gumbrol shrugged his shoulders because you don't want to i suppose he said myra laughed and took another bite at her bread and butter she laid the back of her hand for she was still holding the butt end of her hard-boiled egg on lippiat's arm the titan who had been looking at the sky seemed to be surprised to find her standing there you he said smiling and wrinkling up his forehead interrogatively it's to-morrow i'm sitting for you casimir isn't it ah you remembered the veil parted for a moment poor lippiat and happy Murkaptan, always happy gallantly Murkaptan kissed the back of the hand which held the egg i might be happier he murmured rolling up at her from the snouty face a pair of small brown eyes puis je esprais mrs viviche laughed expiringly from her inward deathbed and turned on him without speaking her pale unwavering glance her eyes had a formidable capacity for looking and expressing nothing they were like the pale blue eyes which peer out of the siamese cat's black velvet mask bellissima murmured Merkaptan, flowering under their cool light mrs viviche addressed herself to the company at large we have had the most appalling evenings, she said haven't we bruin bruin ops said nothing but only scowled he didn't like these damned intruders the skin of his contracted brows oozed over the rim of his monocle on to the shining glass i thought it would be fun myra went on to go to that place of hampton court where you have dinner on an island and dance what is there about islands put in mercaptan in a deliciously whimsical parenthesis that makes them so peculiarly voluptuous Kithera, monkey island capri germe another charming middle coleman pointed his stick menacingly mr Merkoptan stepped quickly out of range so we took a cab mrs veviche continued and set out and what a cab my god a cab with only one gear and that the lowest a cab as old as the century, a museum specimen, a collector's piece. They had been hours and hours on the way, and when they got there, the food they were offered to eat, the wine they were expected to drink from her eternal deathbed, Mrs. Favish cried out in unaffected horror. Everything tasted as though it had been kept soaking for a week in the river before being served up, rather weedy with a delicious typhoid flavour of Tim's water. There was Tim's even in the champagne they had not been able to eat so much as a crust of bread hungry and thirsty they had re-embarked in their antique taxi and here at last they were at the first outpost of civilization eating for dear life oh a terrible evening mrs Lavish concluded the only thing which kept up my spirits was the spectacle of bruin's bad temper you've no idea bruin what an incomparable comic you can be bruin ignored the remark with an expression of painfully repressed disgust he was eating a hard-boiled egg myra's caprices were becoming more and more impossible that Campton court business had been bad enough but when it came to eating in the street in the middle of a lot of filthy workmen well really that was rather too much mrs vivish looked about her am i never to know who this mysterious person is she pointed to shearwater who was standing a little apart from the group his back leaning against the park railings and staring thoughtfully at the ground the physiologue Coleman explained, and he has the key. The key, the key. He hammered the pavement with his stick. Gumbrell performed the introduction in more commonplace style. You don't seem to take much interest in us, Mr. Shearwater. Myra called expiringly. Shearwater looked up. Mrs. Vivish regarded him intently through pale, unwavering eyes, smiling as she looked that queer, downward turning smile which gave to her face through its mask of laughter a peculiar expression of agony you don't seem to take much interest in us she repeated shearwater shook his heavy head no he said i don't think i do why don't you why should i there's not time to be interested in everything one can only be interested in what's worth while and we're not worth while not to me personally replied shearwater with candour the great wall of china the political situation in italy the habits of trematodes." all these are more interesting in themselves but they aren't interesting to me i don't permit them to be i haven't the leisure and what do you allow yourself to be interested in shall we go said bruin impatiently he had succeeded in swallowing the last fragment of his hard-boiled egg mrs Vaviche did not answer did not even look at him shearwater who had hesitated before replying was about to speak but coleman answered for him be respectful he said to mrs Vavish. this is a great man he reads no papers not even those in which our mer so beautifully writes he does not know what a beaver is and he lives for nothing but the kidneys mrs Vavish smiled her smile of agony kidneys but what a memento mori there are other portions of the anatomy she threw back her cloak revealing an arm a bare shoulder a slant of pectoral muscle she was wearing a white dress that leaving her back and shoulders bare came up under either arm to a point in front and was held there by a golden thread about the neck for example she said and twisted her hand several times over and over making the slender arm turn at the elbow as though to demonstrate the movement of the articulations and the muscular play memento vivere mr mercaptan aptly commented Vivimus mea lesbia amemus mrs vaviche dropped her arm and pulled the cloak back into place she looked at sherwater who had followed all her movements with conscientious attention and who now nodded with an expression of interrogation on his face as though to ask what next we all know that you've got beautiful arms said bruin angrily there's no need for you to make an exhibition of them in the street at midnight let's get out of this he laid his hand on her shoulder and made as if to draw her away we'd better be going goodness knows what's happening behind us he indicated with a little movement of the head the loiterers round the coffee-stall some disturbance among the canalla. mrs viviche looked round the cab-drivers and the other consumers of midnight coffee had gathered in an interested circle curious and sympathetic round the figure of a woman who was sitting like a limp bundle tied up in black cotton and mackintosh on the stall-keeper's high stool leaning wearily against the wall of the booth a man stood beside her drinking tea out of a thick white cup every one was talking at once mayn't the poor wretches talk asked mrs Vaviche. turning back to bruin i never knew any one who had the lower classes on the brain as much as you have i loathe them said bruin i hate every one poor or ill or old can't abide them they make me positively sick quel bien, ne piped mr Murcaptan and how well and frankly you express what we all feel and lack the courage to say Lipiat gave vent to indignant laughter i remember when i was a little boy bruin went on my old grandfather used to tell me stories about his childhood he told me that when he was about five or six just before the passing of the reform bill at thirty-two there was a song which all right-thinking people used to sing with a chorus that went like this rot the people blast the people damn the lower classes i wish i knew the rest of the words in the tune it must have been a good song coleman was enraptured with the song he shouldered his walking stick and began marching round and round the nearest lamp-post chanting the words to a stirring march tune rot the people blast the people he marked the rhythm with heavy stamps of his feet ah if only they'd invent servants with internal combustion machines said bruin almost pathetically However well trained they are, they always betray their humanity occasionally, and that is really intolerable. How tedious is a guilty conscience? Gumbrell murmured the quotation. But Mister Shearwater said, "Myra, bringing back the conversation to more congenial themes, hasn't told us yet what he thinks of arms." Nothing at all, said Shearwater. I'm occupied with the regulation of the blood at the moment. But is it true what he says, Theodore? She appealed to Gumbel i should think so Grumble's answer was rather dim and remote he was straining to hear the talk of bruin's canaille and mrs Vavish's question seemed a little irrelevant i used to do carton jobs the man with the teacup was saying at a van and no an old pony of meat own and didn't do so badly neither the only trouble was me lifting furniture and heavy weights about the place because i ad malaria out in india in the war nor even you compel me to violate the laws of modesty nor even mrs viviche went on smiling painfully speaking huskily expiringly of legs a spring of blasphemy was touched in coleman's brain neither delighteth he in any man's legs he shouted and with an extravagant show of affection he embraced zoe who caught hold of his hand and bit it it comes back on you when you get tired like malaria does the man's face was sallow and there was an air of peculiar listlessness and hopelessness about his misery it comes back on you and then you go down with fever and you're as weak as a child Shearwater shook his head nor even of the heart mrs Vavish lifted her eyebrows ah now the inevitable word has been pronounced the real subject of every conversation has appeared on the scene love mr Shearwater. but as i says recapitulated the man with the teacup we didn't do so badly after all we had nothing to complain about had we Flory? the black bundle made an affirmative movement with its upper extremity that's one of the subjects said shearwater like the great wall of china and the habits of tree i don't allow myself to be interested in mrs Vavish laughed breathed out a little good god of incredulity and astonishment and asked why not no time he explained you people of leisure have nothing else to do or think about i'm busy and so naturally less interested in the subject than you and i take care what's more limit such interest as i have i was going up ludgate ill one day with a van load of stuff for a chap in Clerkenwell. and, and i was leading jerry up the hill jerry's the name of our old pony one can't have everything sheerwater was explaining not all at the same time in any case i've arranged my life for work now i'm quietly married i simmer away domestically quel horreur said mr Marcaptan all the louis cannes abbe and him was shocked and revolted by the thought but love questioned mrs lavish love love lepiot echoed he was looking up at the milky way all of a sudden out jumps a copper at me ow old is that orse he says it ain't fit to draw a lord it limps in all four feet he says no it doesn't i says none of your answerin back he says take it ouder the shafts at once but i know all about love already i know precious little still about kidneys but my good Shearwater, how can you know all about love before you've made it with all women off we goes me and the cop and the orse up in front of the police court magistrate or are you one of those imbeciles mrs viviche went on who speak of women with a large w and pretend we're all the same poor theodore here might possibly think so in his feebler moments grumble smiled vaguely from a distance he was following the man with the teacup into the magistrate's stuffy court and mercaptan certainly does because all the women who ever sat on his de sofa certainly were exactly like one another and perhaps casimir does too all women look like his absurd ideal but you sherwater you're intelligent surely you don't believe anything so stupid sherwater shook his head the cup he gave evidence against me limping in all four feet e says it wasn't i says and the police court vet e bore me out the ors has been very well treated e says but he's old He's very old i know he's old i says but where am i goin to find the price for a young one x square minus y square Sheerwater was saying e equals x plus y times x minus y and the equation holds good whatever the values of x and y it's the same with your love business mrs Vavish. the relation is still fundamentally the same whatever the value of the unknown personal quantities concern little individual ticks and peculiarities after all what do they matter what indeed said coleman ticks mere ticks sheep ticks horse ticks bed-bugs tapeworms, taint worms guinea worms liver flukes the orus must be destroyed says the beak he's too old for work but i'm not i says i can't get an old age pension at thirty-two can i how am i to earn my living if you take away what i earns my living by mrs lavish smiled agonizingly here's a man who thinks personal peculiarities are trivial and unimportant she said you're not even interested in people then i don't know what you can do he says i'm only here to administer the law seems a queer sort of law i says what law is it Shearwater scratched his head under his formidable black moustache he smiled at last his ingenuous childish smile no he said no i suppose i'm not it hadn't occurred to me until you said it but i suppose i'm not no he laughed quite delighted it seemed by this discovery about himself what law is it he says the cruelty to animals law that's what it is he says the smile of mockery and suffering appeared and faded one of these days said mrs favige you may find them more absorbing than you do now meanwhile said shearwater i couldn't find a job air, and having been working on my own my own master like couldn't get unemployment pay so when we erred of jobs at portsmouth we thought we'd try to get one even if it did mean walkin' there meanwhile i had my kidneys hopeless he says to me quite hopeless more than two hundred come for three vacancies so there was nothing for it but to walk back again took us four days it did this time she was very bad on the way very bad being nearly six months gone our first it is things will be harder still when it comes from the black bundle there issued a sound of quiet sobbing look here said gumbril making a sudden irruption into the conversation this is really too awful he was consumed with indignation and pity he felt like a prophet in nineveh there are two wretched people here said Gumbel and gumbrill told them breathlessly what he had overheard it was terrible terrible all the way to portsmouth and back again on foot without proper food and the woman's with child coleman exploded with delight gravid he kept repeating gravid gravid the laws of gravity first formulated by newton now recodified by the immortal einstein god said let Newstein be and there was light and god said let there be light and there was darkness o'er the face of the earth he roared with laughter between them they raised five pounds mrs lavish undertook to give them to the black bundle the cabin made way for her as she advanced there was an uncomfortable silence the black bundle lifted a face that was old and worn like the face of a statue in the portal of a cathedral an old face but one was aware somehow that it belonged to a woman still young by the reckoning of years her hands trembled as she took the notes and when she opened her mouth to speak her hardly articulate whisper of gratitude one saw that she had lost several of her teeth the party disintegrated all went their ways mr mercopton to his rococo boudoir his sweet barocco bedroom in sloane street coleman and zoe towards goodness only knew what scenes of intimate life in pimlico lippiat to his studio off the tottenham court road alone silently brooding and perhaps too consciously bowed with unhappiness but the unhappiness poor titan was real enough for had he not seen mrs veviche and the insufferable the stupid and loudish ops driving off in one taxi must finish up with a little dancing myra had huskily uttered from that deathbed on which her restless spirit forever and wearily exerted itself obediently bruin had given an address and they had driven off but after the dancing oh was it possible that that odious bad-blooded young cad was her lover and that she should like him it was no wonder that lypia should have walked bent like atlas under the weight of a world and when in piccadilly a belated and still unsuccessful prostitute sidled out of the darkness as he strode by unseeing in his misery when she squeaked up at him a despairing cheer up ducky lipiath suddenly threw up his head and laughed titanically, with the terrible bitterness of a noble soul in pain even the poor drabs at the street corners were affected by the unhappiness that radiated out from him wave after throbbing wave like music he liked to fancy enter the night even the wretched drabs he walked on more desperately bowed than ever but bent no further adventure on his way gumbrill and shearwater both lived in paddington they set off in company up park lane walking in silence gumbrill gave a little skip to get himself into step with his companion to be out of step when steps so loudly and flat-footedly flapped on empty pavements was disagreeable he found was embarrassing it was somehow dangerous stepping like this out of time one gave oneself away so to speak one made the night aware of two presences when there might if steps sounded in unison be only one heavier more formidable more secure than either of the separate two in unison then they flapped up bark lane a policeman and the three poets sulking back to back on their fountain were the only human things besides themselves under the mauve electric moons it's appalling it's horrible said Gumble at last after a long long silence during which he had indeed been relishing to the full the horror of it all life don't you know what's appalling Shearwater inquired he walked with his big head bowed his hands clasped behind his back and clutching his hat walked clumsily with sudden lurches of his whole massive anatomy wherever he was shearwater always seemed to take up the space that two or three ordinary people would normally occupy cool fingers of wind passed refreshingly through his hair he was thinking of the experiment he meant to try in the next few days down at the physiological laboratory you'd put a man on an ergometer in a heated chamber and set him to work hours at a time he'd sweat of course prodigiously you'd make arrangements for collecting the sweat weighing it analyzing it and so on the interesting thing would be to see what happened at the end of a few days the man would have got rid of so much of his salts that the blood composition might be altered and all sorts of delightful consequences might follow it ought to be a capital experiment gumbrell's exclamation disturbed him what's appalling he asked rather irritably those people at the coffee stall gumbrill answered it's appalling that human beings should have to live like that worse than dogs dogs have nothing to complain of. Shearwater went off at a tangent nor guinea-pigs nor rats it's these blasted anti-vivisection maniacs who make all the fuss but think cried gumbrill what these wretched people have had to suffer walking all the way to portsmouth in search of work and the woman with child it's horrifying and then the way of people of that class are habitually treated one has no idea of it until one has actually been treated that way oneself in the war for example when one went to have one's mitral murmurs listened to by the medical board they treated one then as though one belonged to the lower orders like all the rest of the poor wretches it was a real eye-opener one felt like a cow being got into a train and to think that the majority of one's fellow-beings passed their whole lives being shoved about like maltreated animals said shearwater if you went on sweating indefinitely he supposed you would end by dying gumbrell looked through the railings at the profound darkness of the park fast it was and melancholy with a string here and there of receding lights terrible he said and repeated the words several times terrible terrible all the legless soldiers grinding barrel-organs all the hawkers of toys stamping their leaky boots in the gutters of the strand at the corner cursiter street and chancery lane the old woman with matches forever holding to her left eye a handkerchief as yellow and dirty as the winter fog what was wrong with the eye he had never dared to look but hurried past as though she were not there or sometimes when the fog was more than ordinarily cold and stifling paused for an instant with averted eyes to drop a brown coin into her tray of matches and then there were the murderers hanged at eight o'clock while one was savouring almost with voluptuous consciousness the final dream haunted doze. there was the physical charwoman who used to work at his father's house until she got too weak and died there were the lovers who turned on the gas and the ruined shopkeepers jumping in front of trains had one a right to be contented and well fed had one a right to one's education and good taste a right to knowledge and conversation and the leisurely complexities of love he looked once more through the railings at the park's impenetrable rustic night at the lines of beaded lamps he looked and remembered another night years ago during the war when there were no lights in the park and the electric moons above the roadway were in almost total eclipse he had walked up this street alone full of melancholy emotions which though the cause of them was different were in themselves much the same as the melancholy emotions which swelled windily up within him to-night he had been most horribly in love what did you think he asked abruptly of myra vivish think said Shearwater. i don't know that i thought very much about her not a case for ratiocination exactly is she she seemed to me entertaining enough as women go i said i'd lunch with her on thursday cumbrell felt all of a sudden the need to speak confidentially there was a time he said in a tone that was quite unreally airy offhand and disengaged years ago when i totally lost my head about her totally those tear-wet patches on his pillow cold against his cheek in the darkness and oh the horrible pain of weeping vainly for something that was nothing that was everything in the world towards the end of the war it was i remember walking up this dismal street one night in the pitch darkness writhing with jealousy he was silent spectrally like a dim haunting ghost he had hung about her dumbly dumbly imploring appealing the weak silent man she used to call him and once for two or three days out of pity out of affection out of a mere desire perhaps to lay the tiresome ghost she had given him what his mournful silence implored only to take it back almost as soon as accorded that other night when he had walked up this street before desire had eaten out his vitals and his body seemed empty thickingly and achingly void jealousy was busily reminding him with an unflagging malice of her beauty of her beauty and the hateful ruffian hands which now caressed the eyes which looked on it that was all long ago she is certainly handsome said Sheerwater, commenting at one or two removes on gumbril's last remark i can see that she might make any one who got involved in her decidedly uncomfortable after a day or two's continuous sweating it suddenly occurred to him one might perhaps find sea-water more refreshing than fresh water that would be queer Gumbrell burst out ferociously laughing but there were other times he went on jauntily when other people were jealous of me ah revenge revenge in the better world of the imagination it was possible to get one's own back what fiendish vendettas were there carried it to successful ends i remember once writing her a quatrain in french he had written it years after the whole thing was over he had never sent it to any one at all but that was all one how did it go ah yes and he recited with suitable gestures pisque nous sommes la je dois. Vous sans trop de honte que je n'égard pas le comte qu'à sa de six fois. Rather prettily turned, I flattered myself. Rather elegantly gross. Gumbrell's laughter went hooting past the marble arch. It stopped rather suddenly, however, at the corner of the Edgware Road. He had suddenly remembered Mister Mercapton, and the thought depressed him. chapter five.